All right, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Please take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 16, verse 16. Proverbs 16, verse 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Please stand up for the scripture reading. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of the fool is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth, and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth his chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of the righteousness. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. The lost is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That's a secret to the Christian life right there. Never lose the sense of amazement of God's work and grace in your life. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, as we begin. Actually, why don't we go to chapter 25 and verse 28. You could go to 16:32. You could turn that down a little bit, please. Uh, thank you, Douglas. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. And there are really two texts in our message today that I will really use as guide to this message. Keys to self-control is the message today. Keys to self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, let's read verse 28 together. If you could read, get that and find it, and we'll read it aloud. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And go back to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. And if you could go back there, and we'll read that one as well. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. And God's Word here says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. 
So in both of those verses, we see that phrase, the idea of ruling our spirit. He that ruleth his spirit is better than he that takes a city. He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down. So we're talking today about ruling our spirit or self-control or a New Testament word that is used is temperance for this, for this theme this morning of Keys to self-control. I, I like that picture, actually, that little dog. That's what you call self-control. Let's pray. Father, take this time now. We pray, God, that by the power of Your Holy Spirit in us, You would give us that temperance, that we would rule our spirit by the power of Your Spirit. And we pray that You would be glorified and that we would not lose that sense of awe and wonder of Your work of forgiving even sinners like us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue studying Proverbs, I finished two messages about how God heals a broken spirit. God heals a broken heart. And I just want to say this as, as I think still about those messages a little bit. That if you, if you have pain in your heart, if you have pain in your spirit, If you would even say, yes, I have a broken spirit, your pain is real. And God loves you and God wants to bear that pain that you're experiencing. You can cast that care on the Lord. He cares for you. Your pain is real and there's a reason for it. Your pain makes sense. There's a reason for for pain that we feel in our heart. It's not that there's something wrong with our emotions when we feel pain. I mean, if you get fired from a job and you feel pain, is there anything wrong with your emotions? If you're going through a divorce or a, a relationship breakup and you're experiencing pain, isn't there, is there anything wrong with your emotions? Or if you're committing some sin, if you're committing adultery, say, and no one knows about it but the, and there's pain in your heart, is there anything wrong with your emotions? Your emotions are working just fine in in each of those situations. If you're experiencing loneliness going through this pandemic, or if you're a victim of abuse, and we could go on and on, all the reasons people feel pain. The thing in our society, they they have these quick fixes for our pain. And and often, and and I'm not a doctor, but... I know that there's a misuse of this terminology of people that, that you go to a doctor and they'll just quickly label a chemical imbalance and they'll give you some medicine to kind of put a band-aid on, on those types of, that, that pain that you're going through in those kinds of situations. But I say, go to Jesus Christ. He is the best medicine for your heart. He is the healer. He is the doctor of our soul. And same thing with self-control. We need Jesus Christ to give us power over our spirit so that we don't lose control in life. Now, in a world out of control, and there's a lot of craziness, this world is going out of control. We need to be men and women of temperance, of self-control, of ruling our spirit. Now, I'm going to give you, on keys to ruling our spirit, I'm going to give you three words today. And each word has three letters in it. So you can't tell me you didn't understand this message. Okay, I'm going to give you three words with three letters to help us rule our spirit. Okay, so hold on, but that's where I'm, that's where I'm going in the message today. 
But just to give a little background of these these verses. First, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Again, it says, and these verses, by the way, and there's an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. And a picture of our little doggy friend looking over that. Oh, by the way, we have cupcakes for after church today. So you can actually, if, you, if you're hungry, looking at that cupcake, we have them after church today, okay? So the outline is there. You could follow along. Proverbs 16.32. Let it sink in a little bit. He that is what? Slow to anger is better than the mighty. That word is actually used for the mighty men in the days of Noah. You know, it's used of men in the Bible like Nimrod, not a godly man, but it's used of godly men like Boaz. It's used of David. It's used of the Lord. That God is mighty Himself. And here, God says that if you're able to control your temper, you, have a, you are a mighty man, a mighty woman in His sight. And he that rules his spirit... It's better than he that taketh a city. So the one who rules the spirit is better than a military hero or a conqueror. And self-control is the highest kind of human power. You can be mighty when you demonstrate and exercise self-control. The next verse that we're looking at is 25-28. And this again says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So this gives the negative. Of course, walls in Bible times protected the city. But if you don't have any self-control, you're like a city that's walls are broken. And, you know, when the walls are broken around a city, or even if you have a house with a beautiful wall around it, but it's broken, it, does, it takes the beauty away, right? Broken walls make it unsightly. And that's the word I use. One who has no self-control is, is, has broken walls in his life. He, there's something, the, the beauty is lost. It's unsightly. And you're unsafe when you're not exercising self-control. You're, you're not in a safe place because things can come quickly into your life and destroy you and bring you down. So we need this self-control. So... One without self-control is unsightly, unsafe, and is defenseless and in danger. And we could, I could show you picture after picture, and I'm not, but just think of all of the people who are rich, famous. They could be actors. They could be athletes. They could just be people in the business world that were famous, that were rich, that were successful, and then lost control of their life. And they were destroyed. There's... You could think of you thinking of somebody like like that right now. I mean, there's many examples. So we need self-control, or else we're going to be defenseless to all the dangers that are in this world. So let's first look at a definition of self-control. This is point number one, actually. Self-control. Self-control, ruling our spirit, means simply having temperance. That's the New Testament word. This is a fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.23, one of the, those fruits of the Spirit is temperance. And it is a Christ-like character trait given in Peter's list, where he says, add to your faith, virtue unto virtue, knowledge unto knowledge, temperance, to temperance patience. So temperance is in two important character lists in the New Testament. Paul's list, the fruit of the Spirit, Peter's list in 2 Peter chapter 1. And the, the New Testament word... The root of that word literally means power. 
It's power. But there's a preposition in that word that is on the inside. So basically what we're talking about when ruling your spirit or having temperance, we need power, not in muscles, but inside. We need power on the inside of us. We need inner strength, the greatest kind of strength, inner strength. So that's self-control. And that power is not going to come from us. Because temperance is a fruit of the Spirit, which means, where does temperance come from? Not through the flesh trying harder, but by us depending fully on God's strength and God's Spirit and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We need power on the inside. So what are some of the dangers, though, number two? Dangers of a lack of self-control. And there are many. We just mentioned those who do not rule their spirit are like a city that's broken down. Now go please to Proverbs chapter, no, chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And I just want to read two passages here that talk about the dangers of a lack of self-control. Proverbs chapter 23 and verses 19 through 21. And it says here, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to what? The danger here is poverty. You don't want that in your life. And so, a lack of self-control... That leads a person to, to live in drunkenness or gluttony. And then he even goes to other, to other things as well, lead to this danger. So this is one example of the Proverbs. Now remember what we're saying, wisdom, why we, why we need wisdom. Wisdom is that skillful application of the knowledge that we know of God in our personal relationship with God. And then we apply what we know about God, to the difficult and moral decisions of our life. So we need wisdom to say no to those things. And the fear of the Lord and and wisdom of God are really the foundations of this self-control in the book of Proverbs. Look at this second passage. Go to Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. And here he also talks about a field with a broken wall in it, so it relates to our verse. Proverbs 24, verse 30, I went by the field of the slothful, so he didn't have self-control to get out of bed, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Not a pretty picture of a farmhouse, right? Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. So there are many areas of life that can sabotage us. And I have blanks in your notes and I have them listed here right up on the screen. What are some of the ways where we need to demonstrate self-control? We have to tame our, our tongue. And the tongue, it even says in James, can no man tame. 
So if I were to ask you, have you ever said a word that you wish you didn't say, you wish you could take it back, all of us would shoot our hands up, probably both hands up. For me, I know. The tongue is a poison, it says. So we need to tame our tongues and we need the control of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn how to manage our money. Because if you don't control your money and you, you just go into debt deeper and deeper, you'll be destroyed. We need to conquer our anger. Some people have to go to anger management classes because they fly into rage at home or at work. And that's very dangerous in, in a family situation. If you fly into angry rages and maybe even get violent and then maybe if you're a man, your wife will have to separate from you. Or then maybe even get an order of protection because of, of violence and because of hitting. And it destroys family. And once, you, once that happens in a family, it just brings so much chaos and destruction in the family. And, and basically the judge becomes the arbiter of what's going on in your home. And you lose control. It's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. We have to control our anger. We must deny our sexual desires or we'll be destroyed. And we know that. And yet people, isn't it amazing how many, people's li- how many people's lives have been destroyed through sexual immorality, through adultery or fornication? I mean, I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about deacons. I'm talking about church leaders. I'm talking about sometimes they're even well-known beyond just being a pastor. Or they, many other people. And yet people still do it. I mean, it's in the Bible. David did it long ago. <laughs> But yet people still think, oh, I could get away with it. That's such a lie, isn't it? You can't get away with it. Be sure your sin will find you out. So we need to overcome addictions. We need to stick to a schedule and be faithful to it. And thank God you're in church today. I mean, it's amazing even that Charlie and Carrie are in church today. But they're sticking to their schedule. They have a conviction to be in church even if they didn't get much sleep last night. Hopefully you'll catch up on it later. Maybe at work later? Could you sleep at work? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and let me just say a word about addiction. Because when, it talk, when we're talking about ruling our spirit and self-control, we, we are in a culture of addicts around us. People are addicted to all kinds of things. And that list that I gave you, some people, some people are addicted to anger just as much as they are to drugs or alcohol. So why do people come, become addicted? There's many reasons, but I submit this to you as perhaps some reason. Is people often turn to addictive behavior to relieve distress. They feel some kind of pressure. Oh, I've been working hard and I've got to, I'm just really stressed out. And so I need to, I need to relieve that stress. I have to have a cigarette. But then in relieving that pressure, they create a greater distress. Because in relieving that, I'm just using as example now cigarettes, because it's really hard to control cigarettes, at least when I got addicted to cigarette smoking when I was a teenager, it was very difficult. It was very difficult to manage to just have like one cigarette a week. Before I knew it, I was smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. But believe me, it started by just thinking, oh, I'll just smoke a cigarette out the the bathroom window when my parents aren't looking. (laughs) Relieve pressure. Oh, I'm under so much stress. Oh, this will calm me down. And then it creates a greater distress because then you have a habit. 
And then they'll seek additional, the additional, uh, by doing it again, and then they become addicted to it. And at the heart of the addiction is really this, is you need more and more. You need more and more, and what do you get out of it? You get less and less. Whether it's drugs, people use drugs. The, the more you use drugs to get high, you have to do what? You have to use more and more drugs. Or you have to go to a, from one drug to another drug that's even more dangerous and, and, and give you another kind of high because that, that old high gets boring after a while, right? And so they do more and more to get less and less. And in the meantime, they just go down and down. And really, that's the way addiction works. That's the way gambling operates, by the way. Did you see that this big gambling thing? How much was that big uh, lotto thing that was... It's like a bill, over a billion dollars? You know what? I don't, would never want to win that. I would never want to... You know, because I saw articles leading up to this of people who have won lotteries and their lives were destroyed. I mean, literally, there was a whole, there's a whole, people have been killed after they won the lottery because people wanted their money. People have spent their, their lottery money on, on drugs and they're in jail and on and on. I mean, it, it could destroy you. If you can't handle that money, it could literally destroy you. Gambling is a terrible addiction, by the way. And I've mentioned that a number of times Recently, so we have to be very careful. So this is some of the danger of a lack of self-control. Okay, so let's look at the display of self-control. I'm going to give you these three words, each with three letters in them. And go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. And the first counsel that God gives to us in displaying self-control, we've looked at the definition, we've looked at the danger, and now the display of self-control. How do we exercise self-control? The first word I want to give you is a simple word. Run. Run to God. Run away from temptation. Flee youthful lust. Like Joseph running from Potiphar's wife. And run to God. Proverbs chapter 18. Can you please read verse 10 with me? It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Now, everyone runs to something for security. Where are you going to run? Run to the Lord, Jesus Christ. His name is a mighty, strong tower. His name, of course, is a revelation of His character. It's His person. Run to the Lord Himself. The righteous run, it says. We need to run decisively, with desperation. We need to have a desperation for God. Are you desperate for God? As the psalmist says, I cried out for God. Lord, I need to get a hold of You. I need to know that You're listening to me when I cry. And I need You to speak to me, God, and give me direction. Speak, O Lord, and my servant will hear. As Samuel said, we need to have a desperation. And run quickly and urgently to this tower. So the picture is, is, is if you were in Old Testament times and you were living perhaps outside the city in a smaller unwalled village and enemies were coming in to pillage your home and your little village, but there were no walls, you would run to the walled city. 
you would run to where the tower was. And you had to be desperate. You had to flee what was left behind because your life was of most value. And you run decisively, desperately. You don't get sidetracked. You don't say, oh, what's that over there? You know, and just, no, you're, you're not on a nature hike. You're, you're on survival territory. And you don't stop. You just keep running. You lay aside every weight, as the writer of Hebrews said, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at this verse in Proverbs 18. Some people don't run to the Lord as their strong tower. Where do they run? What do they look at? Verse 11 tells us another way people deal with their problems. They run to what? Their money. So what will be your strong tower? Will it be wealth? For a rich man, his wealth is often his strong city as a high wall in his own conceit? Or will your strong tower be the Lord? Many people have false towers of strength that they trust in. It could be money. Now, money can buy you things, but it will not buy you what you ultimately need in life. What do you run to? Your righteousness? Some people think, oh, I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? How many people throughout time have told me they're a good person? And I always say, no, you're not a good person. I'm not either. I'm not judging you. We're just all in the same boat. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And our righteousness will never protect us. You cannot stand, dear friend, in your own righteousness before a holy God in the day of judgment. If you stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say, oh, because I'm a good person. Dear friend, you will be cast out of His presence. You will, you will be flung into hell like a whirlwind. The only righteousness that will protect us on the day of judgment is the, the name of Jesus Christ. His righteousness, His holiness, His work on the cross is what saves us. It is not your character, but His sinless character that is our ultimate protection in life. And if the name of Jesus is the name which we stand before God, because if we do stand before God and He said, why should I let you into my heaven? And we say, because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me of all my sin. And because Jesus Christ is all my salvation. And Jesus Christ is all of my righteousness. And all of my righteousnesses, O Lord, are as filthy rags. And I don't deserve to stand in Your sight. But You've taken away all my sins through the blood of Jesus. And now I stand in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a strong tower before the Lord. And I submit to you, if it is, this is a strong tower before the very presence of God, this is a strong tower to live life down here. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. His name is a storehouse of provision. Think of all the beautiful names of God. You know them. So you have need during this time of inflation. I have felt the stress of this inflationary times and rising prices. 
My, we had to buy a new battery uh, a couple weeks ago. And I thought a new battery, well, how much is a new battery going to cost? Like $75? No, $264 for a new car battery. And you know the prices of things. So we need the Lord who is our Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. There's sickness everywhere with the pandemic. People are put in fear by sickness and now they want a new fear upon us all. Chicken pox, monkey pox, whatever the chicken pox. No, it's monkey pox. We already had chicken pox. And they've lied to us so many times. I mean, whatever you want to say about this, they, they, we, you know how many times we've been lied to? 14 days to stop the spread. How about that one? How about this one? If you take the vaccine, you will not get the virus. Huh? President Biden now has it twice. Pray for him. He got it again. We need the Lord. He is our Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Do you feel alone? And maybe you just feel alone and no one understands you. Certainly, certainly we all feel this way. Even when you're married, you may feel alone in this world. But the Lord is our Jehovah Shammah. So when you feel alone, run to the Lord. He'll be a strong tower. And He is the Lord who is there. When you run to the strong tower, the name of the Lord, He's there. And He's there to be your Jehovah Jireh to provide. And He's there to be your Jehovah Rapha to heal. And He's there to give you peace if you're anxious and full of worry because He is Jehovah Shalom. The God of all peace. Run to the Lord and He's a strong tower of peace. Maybe you just feel guilty today. You've done things this week. You've said things. And, and you walk into this place and you feel like a failure because you know that you've sinned against God and your, your heart and spirit is overrun with pain and guilt. But I have good news. He's Jehovah Sid Canoe. That is our righteousness. And He will cleanse you and give you righteousness. He's the Lord who is our shepherd. Who, who will receive us like a shepherd, his sheep. And maybe you say, wow, I'm not getting victory in my life. So run to the name of the Lord, who's a strong tower, who is Jehovah Nissi, our strong banner. The name of the Lord. What beautiful names. But you know the name of the Lord that is so precious to us? Is that precious name that we just love to say, and love to sing, and love to hear, and Satan flees, I believe, when we just say the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. It was Stephen who ran to the Lord as a strong tower, as rocks were falling upon him when he was stoned. And he said, Lord Jesus! Receive my spirit. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. When Bartimaeus was blind, and because of his blindness, he was crying out to the Lord. And, and even the, the disciples were saying, the Lord is busy. He doesn't have time for you. But, the, but Bartimaeus ran to the Lord like a strong tower and he said, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Son of David. What a strong tower. Jesus, Son of David. I want to I say this to you. If you feel under attack, tempted, lonely, guilty, whatever, maybe you feel forsaken, 
Just say Jesus in your heart. Just, just say that name, Jesus. Because sometimes there are demons around us tempting us. And I believe when we say the name of Jesus out loud, then the wicked spirits that are around us who may be tempting us to defeat and discouragement and despair and depression and even sin, they will hear the name of Jesus. Stay the name of Jesus when you're feeling discouraged and down. And He'll come to you. Run to Him. He's a storehouse of provision. He is a place of strength. Now notice Proverbs 18.10. Do you, any of you have, like the, the Bible that I have has these old marginal notes provided by the translators of the King James Bible. And the marginal note here is very precious if you look at the marginal note at the end of Proverbs 18.10, it says, The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Do any of you have the marginal note for is safe in your Bible? I do. I have, one of the, I have the wide margin. Um, never mind. I've been, Oxford. I have the Oxford wide margin. And I, I love it. It has these. These are the, by the way, these are the cross references in the marginal, in the notes, and also, and maybe a variant reading that the translators provided. So I, I think that's very significant. Anyway, you know what they put in the marginal note there? It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in, runneth into it and is set aloft. Is set, aloft. set on high. You're set on high. So the idea of being in that place of strength is, oh, I don't have this blank for you, but it, it, there's a blank in your notes. The place of strength, going to God, puts you out of the reach of, the, of your enemy and of the dangers of this world. Out of the reach. Out of the reach. The reach is the blank there. In other words, the devil wants to reach you, but you're too high. The name of the Lord is a, he, he puts you in a, such a safe place, you're set on high. You're out of the reach of the enemy. He can't get you there when you're in Jesus. Amen? You're safe in Jesus Christ. So I say to you, do you realize how safe you are in Jesus? Do you realize how safe you are in Jesus? Our name is written in the palm of His hand. And who can erase the everlasting lines from the palm of His hand? We are even in the palm of His hand. The hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father. And who can pluck us out of the hand of Jesus and the Father? Nothing, no one, not Satan himself can pluck us out of His hands. We are in His loving hands. His loving, nail-scarred embrace. So run to Jesus. He's taken all your sins upon Him on the cross. He's cast all your sins behind His back. He's buried them in the deepest sea of His atoning blood. He Remembers them no more. He has paid the full debt of all your sin. You don't have to pay for one sin when you run to Jesus. Not one. So therefore, you, have, you can be free to go into heaven because you have no sin. It is sin that keeps us out of heaven. And through Jesus Christ and through His righteousness, He's paid the debt in full. He's canceled that in full. All of our sins... All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. But, but He has taken all our sins upon Himself. And in Jesus Christ, we are safe. Do you know that you're saved today? 
Do you 100% know that you're born again, child of God? If you were to die today, you would go to heaven. Have you been born again? Have you trusted the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you of your sin? Have you trusted His righteousness to be yours? Do you feel that you stand in His righteousness before a holy God? Don't stand in your own righteousness. Don't stand before God in your sins. We need to run. That's the first word. When we're tempted, when we're confused, when we feel broken, when we need a, a, our heart to be healed, run to Jesus. And I'll, I'll just say this verse, then we'll get to the next point. I love it where, where Jesus, quoting from Isaiah, Jesus said, or about Jesus it is said that He will not break the bruised reed and He will not quench the smoking flax. I love that. That means He takes us in our weakness. He takes us... You know, the idea of a smoking flax. Flax should be a burning wick. It should be a burning flame. But the flame's going out and it's just smoking. But he, if you come to Jesus and you're not on fire the way you, maybe you've been backslidden, you can go to Him even though you're not on fire. You're just smoking. He said, okay, I'll, I'll kindle that smoke back into a flame. Or maybe you go to Jesus and you're broken. He's not going to say, oh, this is broken. It's worthless. It's not worth it. He's not going to break it and throw it out. No, He's going to take that, that broken reed and He's not going to break it. He's going to fix it. And He'll use it for His glory. A bruised reed He will not break. I love that. Run to Jesus. The second thing is, because He's been a shelter for me, a strong tower. The second word I want to give you, and I won't spend as much time on it, is buy. Buy. Go to Proverbs chapter 23. And we read some verses earlier here in Proverbs chapter 23 about the wine-bibbers, the riotous eaters of flesh, the drunkards, and how they go from riches to rags. And that's what sin and that's what a lack of self-control will do. A lack of self-control could bring you from riches to rags. So, to counter that, we run to the Lord, but here's the second word I give you, the second three-letter word. I want you to remember, why, why am I saying simple words today? Because so much of, I know what a preacher will say, and I know so much of what I say, I don't even remember. So how can you remember it if I don't remember it? So, I, I want us to remember these three simple words. Run. Buy. Let's say them together. Run. Buy. So let's look at the word here. He says in verse 23 of Proverbs 23, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. That's very powerful. Buy the truth and sell it not. Now the prodigal son of old who went from the revelry of all the inheritance of his father and he blew it and he went to the rags of eating from the, from the, the pit with the, with the pigs and the swine. All of, all of these things can bring us down like the prodigal son was brought down of old. There's a lot of prodigal sons walking around our city today, by the way. But here he says, buy the truth. Now think of this. We're in a city where a lot of buying goes on. 
people buying stuff up and down Fifth Avenue, people buying stocks. And I thought about different stocks. And I thought about BRKA. You know what stock that is? BRKA is the most expensive stock share to own. It's Berkshire Hathaway, the A share. Closed on Friday, one share of Berkshire Hathaway, $451,700. One share. Isn't that something? Now what if Mr. Warren Buffett called you up and said, I'd like to give you a, a free share of B R K A. Free four, he, he wants to give you 451. Would you take it? Who wouldn't? Sure. I would take it. You want to give it to me? I'm not going to say no. But God is, asking, God is saying there's something better than a, a share of Berkshire Hathaway. Will you take it? Will you buy it? Will you buy it? Do you put more stock in a Berkshire Hathaway share than in God's truth? In truth itself. Who is Jesus Christ? And as we learn in our men's ABF today, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is truth. Buy the truth. In other words, get this Whatever you get, you've got you to get this. And how much does it cost to have Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit? Do you have to pay $451,700 for just a piece of Jesus, a share of Jesus? No. How much? To have all of Jesus. To have all of the Berkshire Hathaway shares, if you will. Can you imagine saying, I'm going to buy out Warren Buffett and all your shares. You get that and much more with Jesus Christ. We are that rich in Jesus Christ. So that's what the writer's saying here. Buy the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Sell it not. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, get wisdom. It's actually the same Hebrew word when he says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. And it doesn't cost that much. How much does it cost? How much does it cost? It's free. It's free. And it's a million times better and more important. You say, but are you sure it's free? Well, Isaiah 55 I like that verse. Isaiah 55, verse 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. You don't need any money to have all of Jesus Christ. <laughs> to have all of the Holy Spirit. To have self-control. Buy. Now, notice these, one last thing about this verse. Because when I was doing a study on this, I noticed this verse, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23, buy the truth, sell it not. But then he says also what? What does he say also in that verse? Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. 
There's only one verse in the Bible that has all three of those words in it. And it's at the, it's, go, go with me. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1 in the very foundational verses. Verse 2. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 2. So this is what the whole book of Proverbs is about. For us to have wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And this is the truth. It's in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. The whole point of the book of Proverbs is really wrapped up in that verse. Chapter 23, verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. And wisdom and instruction and understanding. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. He says, the purpose of Proverbs is to know what? Wisdom and instruction. And to perceive the words of understanding. So there it is. That's to perceive. This is truth. This is what we need so that our lives don't fall into disrepair, into brokenness. So that we're unsightly. So that we're in a place of danger. Are your walls broken down? The third word I want to give you is wow. And that's why Charlie and Carrie sang that song today. To be amazed. And that's what, the, that's what I mean by wow. I believe to have this sense of self-control in our life, we need to be amazed at the grace of God. We run to Him. He's our strong tower. We buy from Him truth, wisdom, instruction, understanding, absolutely free. And we're wowed by Him. Go to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 4. I remember as a new Christian reading this verse for the first time. And you know what I said then? Wow. And you know what I say now? Wow. I mean, this just blows me away. Because he didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know Jesus was going to speak to the waves and winds and say, peace, be still. He didn't know Jesus was going to walk on the water. He didn't know necessarily about Jesus ascending into the heavens. He didn't. He lived hundreds of years before Jesus Christ. And it's as if he wrote this after Jesus lived. But this is why we know the Bible was written by inspiration. Because the Holy Spirit led him to write these words. So look at, look at the verse. It says, Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? If thou canst tell. If you can't see Jesus there, <laughs> I can't help you. Look at that first question. Who has ascended up into heaven or descended? And really, the writer is looking for the answer. Nobody. nobody no human can do that. But wait, I know one man who did. His name is Jesus. Who ascended into heaven. After first, He descended. Jesus even referenced this in John chapter 3. We won't go there now. Maybe we will another time. But this is clearly Jesus being revealed. Look at the next question. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who can take the wind, that mighty wind that no man can tame, the hurricane wind, the tornado wind? Who can take that wind and just gather it all in his fists and calm the winds just like that? Nobody can do that. You can't stop the wind. 
but I know somebody who did. Jesus. Amen? What's the next question? Who, who has bound the waters in a garment? This is more poetic, but it reminds me of Jesus Christ walking on the water. Who hath bound the waters in His garment? In other words, water was no threat to Him. He could walk upon those waters. He, would, he could rule the raging seas. He could calm the mighty winds. Who could do that though? What human could do that? No one could do it. Oh, but wait. I know someone who did. His name is Jesus. Wow. Wow. Jesus is so amazing. And then who's the creator of all the ends of the earth? Who established the ends of the earth? Only God. No man created anything except God. God is our creator. And Jesus Christ, for by Him all things were created. So be wowed by Jesus. Every day when you wake up, say, Wow, Lord, I stand amazed in Your presence. I run to You as my place of protection and safety, high aloft from all the enemies of this world. I buy of You Your truth because this world is selling me lies. This world has given us a lot of lies, folks. The lies are becoming more powerful. You know what they do? They repeat the lie over and over. The lies they repeat over and over and over again until everybody accepts it. The only ones who will be able to withstand the lies of this world are those who are standing in the high tower of truth who are wowed by Jesus Christ. The greatest act of self-control in all human history was Jesus Christ Himself when He took the cross. He could have called it off at any time, couldn't He? But He didn't. Do you know why? Because He loved you. He loved you. In a sense, remember Jacob, when Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, but he ended up with Leah? And then he worked what? Seven more years. And that time passed so quickly. Do you remember why? Because he loved Rachel. How Jacob loved Rachel. He wanted Rachel to be His bride. And so all of His desires were mastered because of His love for Rachel. He controlled all of His desires to focus on the work of those seven years and the work passed quickly and then He was able to take Rachel as His bride. But you, in a sense, are Jesus' Rachel. You are the one He worked for. You are the one He loves. You are the one He left heaven. He descended heaven for you. You are the one He went to the cross for. You are the one He took your sins in His very own body as if you were the only one on earth. You! He died for you! Be wowed by His love. And He's chosen you to be a part of His bride, the church. And such grace given to us should give us the power to overcome all of the sins and the temptations and all of the danger of this world that is like landmines of our soul. Be strong. Live with temperance. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be wowed by Jesus. Buy of His truth. Run to Him for safety. Let's stand together as we pray. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. We're going to have an invitation today. Like